Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Cairns. I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world. That's right, folks. This is an international international endeavor, and I'm glad that you are a part of it. This week is a special episode. This week we feature the one and only Miguel Rivas, who is the beer trekker himself. Really exciting for us to have Miguel be a part of the project. We've been uh, fans and admirers excuse me, uh, of his work for some time, and it's really nice to be able to showcase somebody who's a little different than, than the typical quote-unquote artist that we have here each week. You know, he's a hardworking, humble guy. He's really active in the beer community, and I would emphasize, or if we were writing it in bold community, he really makes an you know, active effort through, you know, his photos and his experiences to, to bring people together. He's a you know connector in a way, and he's just a really, you know, as you'll see from the interview, he's very positive. He has a you know beautiful perspective on things and it was really nice to be able to you know sit down and to talk to him and we first were introduced um to our good friend uh, heidi geist at the craft brewers conference in nashville uh, tennessee this past year so it's very fitting for episode number you know 89 ochente nueve that we are able to have also one of our segments with heidi as part of that so we have a uh, part three of where is Heidi? Kind of the the post Thanksgiving catch up with her and see where she is. But she connected me with Miguel, and you know it's really just kind of nice to to really tie that all together, you know, into into one you know happy universe. So we thank you once again for for taking the time to join us. If you like to follow along with Miguel's work, I would highly, 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 highly recommend that uh, if you get a chance to do that. Miguel Rivas, the beer checker. Chase Instagram handle out is the beer trekker trekker T R E K K E R. You can also go to the beer trekker.com. It's an active work in progress, but if you follow off Miguel, you'll find out that he is everywhere all over the world. We talk about his, I was seeing, uh, I was seeing European vacation, but European adventure is probably a little bit better. Uh, less Chevy chase, more, uh, photography, but he's a great storyteller. I feel we can just let the mic run and, it's one of the things we repeat over and over again, but the only way this episode would be better is if we were together and had a few smoked lagers, maybe a few pilsners. Miguel is not an IPA guy, so if you see him out and you want to uh, toast, the IPA would not be the the beer of choice, but he would nicely tell you he's not interested in probably the, the kindest and most caring way possible. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. I know that I enjoyed getting a glimpse into him and his story. He's the man who is kind of the storyteller himself. So to be able to sit down and learn how it started and where he looks, you know, where he goes, how he takes his photos, even what he's shooting with, it was a really great opportunity. You know, and it just um, like I said, he's a great storyteller. He's a very humble and kind person. He's a, a genuine soul, and he really, you know, takes pride in what he does and the people around him. And so, by extension, it just really, you know, it'll draw you in. And, you know, it made me think about a few things. So hopefully that'll resonate with you as well. But again, this is the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. We thank you however you found us. Check us out, 16ozcanvas.com on Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter, and then the website 16ozcanvas.com. And wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. We thank you for being a part of this. It's the holidays, so it's always important to, you know, appreciate those around us. You know, happy birthday to Christina, and just really had a great opportunity to spend time with family and friends over Thanksgiving. And it's just been a wonderful experience and really just, um, you know, better than we could have expected. Episode 89, Ochente Nueve, and it's just wonderful. And so we've got a lot more for you. Season 9 is is locked down, so we'll be announcing that soon. And uh, we'll see where the next chapter goes. But for right now, this is the one and only Mr. Miguel Rivas, the beer trekker, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Doesn't get better than that, folks. Cheers. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have with us today the beer tracker himself, Mr. Miguel Rivas, uh, checking in with us today via one of his home stops. He's uh, located in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, just getting home from a European uh, adventure, which if you haven't followed along, you are certainly missing out. But thank you so much today, Miguel, for, for making the time. I know you're, uh, you're very busy, so we, we really appreciate having you be a part of this. Hey, AJ, thank you very much for the invitation, man. It's, uh, I've been following your, your podcast for, for a while now, and yeah, it's uh, honored to, to be featured there. Well, the, feel, the feeling is mutual. I think that we've, had, uh, we've only had a couple of photographers, and so I really, um, you know, we've had photographers who also do labels, but you're the first kind of pride, you know, tried and true, just kind of telling the visual story, and I think um, especially now with the way things are with beer, and just life, I think, you know, what you're doing is just capturing these moments and experiences, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wonderful. Well, thank you. appreciate that. And uh, real quick for folks at home, it is The Beer Trekker, um, The Beer, then Trekker, T-R-E-K-K-E-R. And uh, you can follow along on, uh, on Instagram as well, and it's, uh, it's just really, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And so it's just... Uh, your, your big smile is infectious, and just you seem to bring, bring out the best in people. So it's, uh, again, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. So I've listened to you on several other podcasts. Uh, Good Beer Hunting was one that I really uh, enjoyed. Um, that was probably like about a little over a year ago. But for folks at home who, you know, don't know your story, kind of, Miguel, can you kind of take us back how you kind of discovered photography and, you know, yeah, how you got, how you really got into it? I think it's a it's a – beautiful craft and i i'm, I'm always a uh, drawn into to your, your photographs uh well let's see as far as photography goes i'm not a i'm not a professional photographer like uh, i didn't go i didn't study photography or anything i just uh, learned pretty much uh, trial and error um i've always been uh, fascinated by photography uh, started doing it as a hobby probably 22 years ago. Uh, I mean, I always used to cap, carry a camera around. and uh, But when I got, or more serious, um, if you want to put it that way, was probably 12 years ago. I was working at a record label here in New York City, a world music record label called Putumayo World Music. I used to do press publicity events uh, for the label. So I was exposed to a lot of musicians. Um, so I got to go to a lot of live concerts. And so I figured since I was already there and I could bring a camera, 
so started taking pictures of that. So uh, that kind of like got me more uh, serious about, you know, a little bit about composition and trying to get uh, good angles of the musicians, this and that, and just seeing what other people were doing because this was not my job, but, you know, I had so much access to, to shows that it just felt like, you know, why not? And so that's when I really started to get a little more serious uh, with, with the photography in terms of um, doing like real photography, if you want to call it that way, like, like it had a purpose. And, and for the beer part, it didn't happen until five years ago. Um, that is when I started my project, Beer Trekker. So that happened also organically. Uh, when I moved to New York in 2002, uh, my brother was working in a, in a bar, in a French uh, brasserie, and he was a bartender there. And he was always telling me about all these beers from Belgium and France and how wonderful they were. So a couple of days after I arrived to New York, I went to visit him at this uh, at, his, at his job, and he gave me um, I think it was Orval was the first beer he gave me. It was one of the Trappist beers from from Belgium, and from that day on, I was just like blown away, especially that beer. Like if you have never had that beer and you try it for the first time, it's 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 an experience. So I started trying all of these Trappist beers from Belgium and all these Saisons and farmhouse from, from France and in Europe. So I got really intrigued. And then fast forward 10 years in 2013, I wanted to go and visit all these uh, Trappist abbeys in Belgium. So I went to Belgium for a week. I rented a car, brought my camera, and I drove all around Belgium for, for that week, and I went to visit all six of the Trappist abbeys there are in Belgium. I couldn't get in because I was just uh, a tourist, but I still managed to, to go to all the monasteries and take pictures and try the beers. So when I got back to New York, I had over 2,000 pictures that I had taken. So I figured, what am I going to do with this? And... I created the, the Beer Trekker account and started posting the pictures there. Um, a little backstory to that was that while I was in Belgium, I was posting some of these pictures on my regular account, my personal Instagram account. And I started getting comments from family and friends like, hey, what's up with all these beers? Are you okay? Is, you know, Are you an alcoholic now? What's going on? <laughs> and so I figured, all right, well, I don't, you know, I don't feel that I had to give explanations to anybody. So I said, you know what, fuck that. Uh, just want to create this account. And it's called the Beer Trekker. So if you follow, it's going to be all beers. So if you follow, you know, now you know. It's, that's all you're going to see. And and right at the time when, when I started my project, it was, it was the same time that all these new breweries it was like this revival of breweries in New York City. So all these breweries started opening up. So it was very fun for me because everybody, I got everybody from, from day one starting. So that, that is, it's been a lot of fun now in the last five years watching all the growth. Some, you know, more than others, but still it's been a lot of fun and seeing how in the last five years we had probably 
five or six breweries. Now we're almost close to 40. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And then in the meantime as well, you know, every time I travel, I started getting more and more uh, interested about telling a story about all these breweries that were popping up in the United States and abroad. Uh, so that's what I've been doing for the last five years. It's just documenting all this craft beer phenomenon, if you want to call it that, uh, that has happened and it's still happening. And it's just pretty much telling a story about the people who work at the breweries. Not only it's not pictures just about beers, but also telling the story about the people behind it, the people who work there. It doesn't have to be just a brewer, but it can be anyone who's related to, to, to the industry. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, I got to meet some of the most wonderful people in the industry and, you know, people from all walks of life. It's not just about beer. Beer is just the common element for everything. But, um, when you meet all these people, you know, they're just regular people like you and I, they just happen to like beer, but they also have all sorts of interests and all sorts of professions. A lot of these brewers have a lot of very diverse backgrounds. You know, a lot of them didn't go to school to study brewing. Uh, they just came from another background. They just got fed up with whatever it is that they were doing and they wanted to do something different. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the one part I love. I mean, I think now it's very congested with just people taking pictures of their beer, which is great. But the stories that you tell and, you know, the relationships that you're building are, are really genuine. You know, the, the, the access you have, you know, the, the kind of candid photos you, you share, you know, it's just, it's just really wonderful because it is much more than beer. And that's what we say even here. We're connected, you know. You and I are now connected, right? You're because of because of beer, but what we're, you know, but the relationship is much more than that. You know, we have commonalities and you know social issues. You know how we feel about different things, beers that we like. But as I always feel, the beer tastes ten times better when it's shared with a friend or a, a new acquaintance, and you're just talking. It never should just be about just the beer. You know, we can talk about what's in the beer, but it's really it's a beautiful community because you meet so many so many people and obviously the beer is the common pivot point but it's not really the the foundation of all these relationships and which is wonderful yeah i agree and i have a perfect a perfect example of that happened to me like you mentioned in the beginning i just came back from a trip to europe so i spent almost six weeks uh, traveling through europe i visited 11 countries and it was something that i had been planning for a while and this year was like the perfect opportunity because it was the fifth year of the beer trekker. And I figured it would be nice to go back to where it all started in Belgium. But instead of just going to Belgium, I decided to expand it a little bit more and go and visit some breweries that I always wanted to go and had never you know, had the opportunity. So I planned it and everything went you know, according to plan, I visited all the places that I was set to visit. And then some things that just kind of happened along the way, which was really nice. But while I was there in Belgium, I went to, it was, I don't know, I think it was like a Thursday. I woke up a Thursday morning and I didn't have much to do that morning. And I remember before going on the trip that I had seen, there was this brewer who's opening a brewer in California right now. Uh, his name is the name of the brewer. I think it's called Alt Brow or something like that. 
and he was in Belgium in June and he took some beautiful pictures. And I remember seeing these pictures and being like, I remember that. And I said, well, if I go, I would love to find out who these guys are. So fast forward a few months and I was in Belgium in August. And I remember this brewery that I had seen in pictures a few months ago. And I sent them a message through Instagram that morning. And I said, hey, man, I would like to, I'm here in New York, in New York, in Belgium. I explained to him a little bit about my project. And I asked him if it would be possible to go and take some pictures. And he replied right away. And he said, yeah, no problem. I'm going to be home all day. So when I saw that I'm going to be home all day, I was a little puzzled. And I replied again. I said, yeah, but I would like to take pictures of the brewery. And he said, yeah, it's in my house. And I was Mm. like, oh, okay. So I drove. It was like an hour east of Brussels. And so I drove there. And as I'm arriving, I I find myself in this like residential area. So I'm like, what's what's going on? And the only reason I found the place was because I saw outside there was this, uh, there was a barrel and some of these plastic totes that some brewers use to like transport the wood. So I figured, I figured, all right, it has to be here. So I get out of the car, I go and I knock on the door, waited probably like, I don't know, a minute or two, nobody came in. No, nobody came to open the door. And then I see that there's like a passage like through through the house there's no fence there's nothing there was just like a, a path so i walked and i get to the back of, to, the, to the backyard and i see him sitting down so i go and i say hello and he's like oh yeah okay nice to meet you and we start chatting and he showed me that the place so my idea was all right i'll get there probably spend like an hour hour and a half take some pictures and then i'll leave so i got there at 11 in the morning i left at midnight I spent pretty much the whole day uh, with him. And the only reason I left was because I told him at midnight, little dude, this has been a lot of fun, but your wife got here at seven and she's probably going to kick your ass if we keep opening beers and, and drinking. And I'm pretty sure she wants to spend some time with you. And, and that was that. But we talked about everything, not only beers, he, he showed me all his plays, but we talk about, you know, we had a lot of things in common. He has two daughters like myself. They're probably, they were probably around the same age. He quit his job to start, you know, doing uh, his brewery. Uh, he stayed home taking care of his daughters. Same thing I was doing before my project started. So it was like a lot of things in common that we kind of connected. And, and again, beer was like the, the, the central point of it but then from there a lot of other things happened it was just a beautiful beautiful evening that was kind of like the highlight of one of the highlights of of the trip and it just you know that that, that's one thing that i realized when i was there is that you meet all these people and you know everybody's living in a different place in the world with everybody has their own problems and their own things and struggles but at the end of the day we're all, you know, we're all humans, you know, we're yeah. all trying to find uh, a way to do the best that we can for, for our families, uh, for ourselves. So it was, it was very nice. I, I like that. That day was, was very nice. Yeah. It's wonderful. I, I keep a, I keep a map of the U S and we've been blessed. We have now we've done folks, uh, you know, around the world, you know, 
Ireland, Switzerland, the UK, even Canada. And I, you know, I think when I think of those cities now, I think, okay, if I if I do go there, not only will I get to be a tourist, but I get to meet this, I get to spend time with this person or that person. And I've already been blessed. You know, we share, um, you know, our common friend, you know, Heidi. You know, and she's, you know, you know, taking part on her, you know, her current adventure. And you know, she was in Connecticut recently, and she just, you know, the bus pulled up to the house, and we had lunch, and it was just, you know, it's like people that I didn't know or stories that weren't being told to me you know it's just it makes it makes life more enjoyable when you when you have all these people out there and so that's really why your work i think resonates with me because i i I love beer but it's much more than the fluid and it's just you every time i get to meet the people behind stuff it really just makes me appreciate things a lot more and i don't know it's i know it's mental but the beer tastes better to me when i know more than you know more than just what type of hops or you know the malt that was used, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's really, I think it's really fitting and perfect that to have, you know, to have you be, you know, be a part of this. So, you know, it's, it's great. And thank, that story is just, is pretty much that sums up everything. I, you know, how I feel about this whole thing. No, oh, and I agree completely with that statement because for me, it's, it, it became a lot more than just the beer. And what you just said right now is exactly how it works for me and the only way that I can make uh, my project or what I do work is it's not just about the beer because I don't care how good the beer you think it is or people, you know, hype it up. I don't care because if you're an asshole of a person, then that beer is not going to taste the same to me. So for me, uh, telling stories, it has to be a lot of other things that, go beyond the beer you know I had to first I have to find some sort of connection like a human connection between me and the people that I'm going to visit and then there has to be a story if you're just making beer for the hell of it because it's like the trendy thing right now and just to make money hey don't get me wrong I have no 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 issues about earning money but right. if that's your only if that's your only motivation then we're not going to connect I can tell you that right now so there has to be some sort of a story uh, behind your brewery or, or whatever it is that you're doing. You know, it has to be uh, a, a goal, a dream, something that, that, that I can connect. Because then by taking the pictures, I have to portray that so people can also feel connected to it. And that, that's what I call, for me, that's what I call like the complete package. You know, you have to, it has to be a story. The people have to be legit, genuine, uh, humble, and and then if the beer is good, hey, that's that's great, you know, that's that, that's a plus. But it has to be a lot more than just just the liquid. And there are a lot of breweries that I have visited that that have that, and there are some that that don't. So it's it's hard when you are taking pictures and you see that. You know, I'm not going to say names because I don't want to throw anybody on the bus here, but there have been some breweries that I visited that it's just like, really? Yeah. It's so disappointing. I didn't like your beers before, and now I like them even less. Right, yeah, it's it's disappointing. You're like, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm a pretty good, it's made me a pretty good judge of character. And there's folks who I've just had, like, bad experiences with or reached out to me to do stuff and... It's flattering, right? You know, it's nice to be recognized. But then when you kind of try to have like a de- you know depth of conversation, and it's just it's really it's not there. It's just kind of like uh, it doesn't work for me. I mean, I this 
and even even you talk about being a humble person. I mean, before you're saying you're not a professional photographer, you've been shooting photographs for 20 years. Just because you don't have some little certificate doesn't mean you know. I think that's just a. I think when people think that way, that you know, I, I you're you're a happy, successful moment capturing life. You know, uh, visualizing artist. Whatever, whatever anyone else wants to call you that, that's fine. But yeah, your your humility, you know, is uh, is part of the pre- pe- reason people love you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, so take us a step, kind of back in your in your process. How do you? How does it? You know, how does it get to that point where you decide? Okay, I'm going to go go to this brewery, or how do you decide, you know, that you're going to team up with somebody and try to, you know, capture those moments? I mean, given your, it seems like it's a, it's probably a fairly detailed or elaborate process to get to that point, and I think folks would probably like to hear more about that. Well, at the beginning, it was mostly just hustling, you know, uh, knocking doors on doors and see who, who wanted to to let me go in and take pictures. Um, and I have to say, everybody has been super, you know, friendly. Um, at, at the end of the day, everybody's going to be getting some pictures. So who doesn't like some free publicity? Uh, so going, taking pictures, that was just like an added bonus for them. Um, I didn't have a particular process. It was just, if I was traveling somewhere, um, I would just do a little bit of research and find breweries that I felt, you know, were a little bit in line with what I was doing and also that they were making beers that I will enjoy. Uh, for example, I'm not a big IPA fan. So if I'm doing some research in that brewery, that's all they do. It's kind of hard for me to just go and there and visit not that there's anything wrong with that but that's not a particular style that i am a fan of so it will be a little bit uh awkward for me because being there they're going to be asking you want to try the beer and i have to tell them well i don't like ipas so you can give it to me but I'm probably not going to drink it so to avoid that i just do my little research before and and see what's 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 going on with the, with the brewery uh, and then, after being doing this for so many years now, like I was saying before, you get to know a lot of people. So there's also that element of you create a network of people. And more importantly than just creating the network and meeting the people is cultivating those relationships. I think that's the key, or at least what has worked for me, is cultivating those relationships. Because some people can just go to a place, you take the pictures, goodbye, I never hear from you again, which is fine. But I have stayed in touch with every single brewery. It's not like we're best friends, but I stay in touch with them. I have stayed in touch with them every now and then. You know, just send an email, say, hello, how are you? How are things going? With some of the brewers, I have become friends, you know, that, you know, we text each other like regularly. And, you know, I send them happy birthday or, you know, Christmas holidays to, to that level. So when you stay in touch with those kind of people like that, then if I'm going to travel to a place where I have no idea what's going on, I just ask some of the people I already met and they connect you. And I have found that when you 
are introduced to somebody by an acquaintance, it's a lot easier, you know, like the people are more a little bit at ease. Like, hey, I was, you know, I was uh, introduced by this guy, by AJ. I know AJ, so, you know, if AJ knows this guy, he must be okay. And, and people have been super, super friendly in that way. And the same way now, because of the network that you create, if somebody's going to go and visit, then now you can send people to them as well. It's like, hey, I have my friend is right now, you know, in your area. He wants to go and visit. Is that cool? And people are always like super open. Like right now I have some friends, for example, I have some friends right now from, from Brooklyn, from KCBC, which is a local brewery here. One of them is in Scandinavia right now. And he asked me, or like a month ago before he left, hey, I'm going to be in Norway and Denmark and Sweden. I know you were there. Is any way, would it be okay if you connect me? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I sent him an email uh, right before he left, like with all the people I met and connecting with, with them. And next thing I know, a couple of days later, he sends me a picture. He was at, uh, at a bar with the, the girl that I connected him in Norway. And they sent me a picture like here, we're here at the bar having some beers. And, you know, it makes you feel good that you connected them and whatever happens after that, you know, that's, that's up to them, but at least it feels nice to, to connect people. You know, the more people you connect, I think it's, it, it's better for, for the industry. You know, they get to now meet some people in Norway, probably next time they see each other, they can do a collab, whatever, whatever they, they do for their business. But for me, it's more, about just creating that connection. Yeah. And some of my friend brewers, they always now joke with me. He said, you are like the matchmaker for brewers. You should <laughs> like create something. I was like, yeah, I'm going to create an app like Tinder, but swipe. for brewers. Yeah, you swipe them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because even you're talking about KCBC, and we had, um, you know, we've had the Earl in there who does their labels, and, you know, I had a chance last year during... Uh, New York Beer Week to to kind of meet them. They were doing a tap takeover with Barrier, and they were just you know met most of the crew, and they were just wonderful folks. And but I remember listening. I said, you know, there's a great interview with Miguel on uh, Good Beer Hunting. We don't usually cross promote, but it's just really and it talks about you helped to kind of found you know or, or support um, a, a beer fest overseas. You know, I think it was in Latin America, and you brought some, uh, one of the guys over from KCBC, and then. then so I read that, and then I see your photos, and then I see KCBC collaborating these other things, and this six degrees of Miguel separation—it's pretty obvious sometimes. It's pretty cool to see that, and I, I like to think through what you're doing and the way you approach things. You know, I, I strongly believe that art and people like yourself—you know—we make the world a better place, and so that's really—you know—you're connecting these people. You know, we're in a really weird time right now in this country, so to have folks from abroad, you know, meet. Uh, you know, fellow Americans who are, you know, kind or caring or, or different than the stereotype maybe at some points. It, it really, it, think it, it does, it serves a bigger picture and you're just doing that so, such a, from such a genuine place. Yeah, that's pretty much the way I see it. You know, it's, um, there, there doesn't have to be like a, like a particular reason to do things. I was always thought, uh, taught that you do things because it feels good, you know. Uh, if something you get something out of it, that's great, but that shouldn't be the motivation to to do things. You just try to do good, and you know, karma is a thing. You do good, 
good things come back to you. You do bad things, they will also come back to you. So I'd rather just keep it in a positive note. Yeah, I, 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 I could not agree more. I think that's the key. And like you're saying before, I've you don't realize it either. You're like, oh yeah, I know someone there, or I know this place, or even just hey, if someone's going on vacation, like hey, go here and here. I maybe wouldn't go there. I've tried that place, or you know, I was in San Diego recently, and a friend of a friend who used to live there, he went out of his way to make sure I had an amazing experience. I never met him in person. It was over Facebook. And he said, go here, you know, during the day, this place has a good lunch menu, then hop here and to save you travel, there's these three breweries that are right next to each other, so you can just bang them all out real quick, and that's how it's been when I go to Maine. I don't know. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of great stories to be told, and so I think that uh, it's nice to have that shared experience. Again, you and I, we we met briefly for, um, I think we met at uh, CBC in, in Nashville last year, but it was very brief, but I've been following you before that, and I just, I really... I'm glad to, I'm glad that you know in speaking to you that you know you are you are the man I thought you were so it's kind of you live you know I'm happy to I'm happy to hear that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I remember that we were at uh, Bearded Iris. Yeah, that was crazy. That place was. I mean, Nashville was just pretty much just jumping from from the get go. There, it was. I mean, I like Nashville. But that was it was wall to wall. Every place you went to was it was crazy. Yeah, that was my first time visiting Nashville and my first time going to CBC. And yeah, after my fir- that, it was my first CBC too. It was it was a lot. Yeah, I liked that a lot though. I was I was uh, my my reaction to that after attending that event was like, all right, this is the event that I should come instead of going to GABF, which I have been already like three times. It was fun, but it's just like a big drunken fest right and you know it's uh it's fun for people who want to go and drink beer that's fun but for me like for networking and stuff uh, cbc was a lot a lot better because it's all industry people without uh you know like like the, the beer drinking crowd yeah and the, i the, think I, I got a lot out of it just because i was able to kind of talk one-on-one with people from the industry and it was more of a laid back uh, situation yeah i think next year it's in denver i'm planning to go to that i just think that now knowing what it is you know what to expect i mean i was solo so with like fifteen thousand people it was definitely a little overwhelming at the at the like conference itself but i really enjoyed it and i mean yeah everything i've read like i'm not a huge fan of beer fest in general like i like them conceptually like i like the idea that i can get beer that i might not normally be able to have or a brewery but after you know after a few of the four ounce beers you know it all it's kind of just a it's a clusterfuck in your palate you know it's really it just kind of just seems like for bragging rights or kind of um you know check in and kind of social media brags which is you know i don't know i'll be 40 in a couple weeks it doesn't really do it much for me anymore but yeah yeah, I mean, to each their own. Well said. You see, you're the voice of reason here. I mean, I do catch a buzz now and again, but I just, um, I it doesn't, yeah, the uh, beer's meant to be shared. I have way too many beers in the cellar waiting to be shared, which is, if you talk to my wife, she might definitely agree with that. But uh, as a teaser, and I'll keep you updated uh, offline, but we're going to try to do something cool uh, at CBC next year. So we're looking to, to do something in Denver. Already started planning that.
And we are back. You're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas, episode number 89, with the man, the myth, the legend himself, the beer trekker, Miguel Rivas. And really excited. This episode is everything that we want. It's got a good story. It's got good energy. It's got good perspective. It brings people together. We really take a lot of pride in the fact that we've been able to connect with folks all over the world, and Miguel does that every day. I mean, just his European adventure alone is pretty epic, and he continues to, to bring people together, connect folks, and, you know, it's a simple saying, but people like Miguel make the world a better place, and so it's really positive. We hope that that resonates with you listening to this. Like I said before, it is the holiday season, you know, thinking about the bigger picture and those around us. It's a, it's a wonderful time to have a shared experience like this and really, really proud of this one, you know? I, I, I know I say that a lot, and it's not that I'm not proud of all the episodes. I love them. They really mean a lot to me. They're really a special experience. It really helps to how I look at things. It really has changed, you know? I mean, literally looking, you know, through the lens with Miguel, you know, seeing his photos and capturing moments. It shows that it's uh, it's just a lot bigger than beer, but in a bigger scale, it's just about people, and it's about looking at things differently and being open to experiences, open to being new cultures and new perspectives, and it just um, it's it's an interesting direction and kind of commonality that keeps coming back with the project, and so we just couldn't be happier, and we you know appreciate you keep coming back here each week. So, with a great tie-in here with you know Miguel and some of our you know previous artists, obviously, you know Heidi Geist, Forty Eight Beer Project, as we've mentioned before, she's out there on the road in her badass short bus uh, named Fearless, on the open roads, discovering you know the U.S., all the great breweries out there, great people, and you know telling stories, living it, and creating a dynamic, living, breathing. You know, art piece through through this project, 48 Beer Project on Instagram, 48beerproject.com is the website, and just follow along. So we decided, you know, how we could support and how we could kind of update everybody was, you know, every two weeks we'll check in with Heidi from the road, we'll see how things are going, what she's been working on, some anecdotes, and we just, uh, we click, we have a good vibe, we're able to easily talk to each other and kind of pick up where we left off, and so there's a lot of joking, a lot of laughs. Realizing that, you know, I sound like an old man, so I didn't say that I walked, you know, uphill the school both ways, but um, it kind of gets close to that without without getting even more depressing. But without further ado, let's get right into it. This is uh, part three in our series, Where's Heidi? Checking in with Heidi Geist, 48 Beer Project on the Road. We were introduced to Miguel from Heidi, so it's a really great tie-in that we're able to kind of keep everybody together and like we say the only way this would be better if all of us were getting together having a couple beers and maybe who knows maybe we'll do a couple of these in person that'd be kind of cool right maybe we'll do some some live interviews at some places and have folks have a, a couple pints and we'll do a Q&A and, and what have you but I don't know with this open mic I just say stuff I didn't you know that's not something I've been planning but who knows we'll see I wasn't planning to have this much fun, have this much success, whatever that means uh, th- at, at this point. So without further ado, here is part three. Heidi Geist right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Enjoy. Part three, just checking in, seeing uh, where you are and you know how things are going. Where, where are you joining us from today, Heidi? Well, hang on. You said part three, and I just realized I don't think I listened to the first one yet. Oh, no. Wait, what? Um, anyway. Just this is radio. You can lie. Just say it was your favorite one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Um, I'm in Cary, North Carolina. I just outside of Raleigh. Uh, I guess this is considered a suburb. Okay. Um, How yeah, it's you? a really nice little town. Um, actually, we're actually at Bond Brothers right now, but in the oh, nice. Lot, yeah, I've uh, yeah, I've had a few of their beers. I enjoy I enjoy the stuff they're doing. I have a kind of a majority of the folks I guess trade with are in the North Carolina area. So yeah, I've. I've enjoyed some some bonds, so that's cool. I'm glad I'm glad they're uh, taking care of you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't really hang out yet inside. We just sort of rolled into town this morning. So, um, laying low tonight, and uh, we'll actually go in, meet everyone tomorrow, and check it out. But I'm pretty stoked. Actually, um, I met the brothers in Tennessee at um, what's it called that we went to CBC. So CBC, yeah. Um, they were super nice. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a cool tie-in because this week's episode is Miguel, the beer trekker, who you introduced me to at CBC yep. when we were at, uh, I think we were at Bearded Iris together. Is that where we were hanging out? Yeah, one of the few stops yeah, we were hanging yeah, out. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's really kind of cool to, you know, to tie it all together. Uh, yeah, and if I if I'm correct, you were home right. You're kind of home for Thanksgiving, kind of a quick little mini break before the huge leg of the rest of the next nine ten months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I snuck up there for a week or so, hung out with some fam. Uh, I pretty much wore the same sweatpants for a week straight, so don't tell. But <laughs> I think a good pair of sweatpants and jeans can be worn a lot longer than it says in the tag, so yeah, there's no shame yeah, there, yeah. exactly. Okay, and yeah, right, yeah, you're not going to get any any shit from me. Um, so no, you you have, a, you have a co-pilot now, right? You brought your daughter along. That's, that's, uh, I, that's pretty badass. Does she know what she's yeah. getting into? Did you just kind of... <laughs> Very further, right? She, she, yeah, right. She got she got on the bus, right? That's how they say it started in the in the seventies. Just got on the bus and hey, she up. climbed on the bus herself. So All right. <laughs> no, we're good. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, actually. It's uh, you know, you can only talk to yourself for so long before you realize you need someone else riding along with you. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you you uh, probably had a couple imaginary friends you had to kick off the bus, though, right? They're like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you don't want to have arguments, you know, out loud in in Target alone. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's no good. Yeah. Uh, so how did you convince her to join you on the bus? Uh, well, you know, I picked her up at a fish concert. She was high as a kite. Just kidding. That's awful. Um, not true. She's 15, but she doesn't do that. Um, yeah, I mean, what's not appealing for a kid about riding in a short bus with their parents around the country? Right. Get out of school for a little bit, see the sights. You know. Now, how long is she? Uh, how long is she with you? How long? How long is the adventure? Um, at the moment, we're we're planning for the long haul. We'll kind of play it by ear, but for now, I mean, there's a lot of country to see. So, until she gets sick of me and and jumps off, um, we're in it to win it. Nice. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's exciting. That's yeah. That's a, that's a bucket list trip for us. Is to kind of uh, maybe not the short bus version of it, but you know, do the RV and just kind of you know drive around the country for you know as long as we can do. So I'm uh, I'm definitely jealous of that. So it's pretty awesome. I mean, I'll bring you out next. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm good. I, like I said, the, the short bus version. Yeah. Is uh, most kids when they got put on the short bus, it's uh, it's derogatory. But your daughter's got a pretty cool story. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited. I speak for both of us when I say we're excited. Yeah, right now when you say we, like I use the royal we all the time, but it's just me. At least you now have like an actual other person you can say we do. Yeah, right? So don't sound as crazy as I do. Yeah, you're right. The the table's turned. 
Yeah, now, 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 yeah. This is a weird dynamic. You, I, I, I'm now the crazy one in our relationship. This is. Oh no, no. <laughs> but actually, but last time I was listening, you had one of your sons on. So. Yeah, it was pretty good, I right? Good. I, I was pretty psyched about yeah. that, actually. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, no, that was cute. You're good. Right, he did good. So yeah, the older, the older, the older son was like, "When's my turn?" And he like, he actually, I probably should get him in here later. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote himself like a little intro, like this is what I'm gonna say, Dad. Is this cool? And I was like, Yeah, it's much better than I do. <laughs> then you give him a mic and he fills it full of swear words. Yeah, right. No, that would never happen. I, I'm good editing. I would edit the shit out of that to make myself <laughs> sound like a good father. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so is so where's so you're in Carolina for Bond, and then where where will you be next? Because we usually we catch up every two weeks. So I'm kind of curious where where are you going to be? You going south, right? A little warmer, hopefully. So, yeah, exactly. By the time you catch up with me again, I'll be at Civil Society or somewhere thereabouts which is in jupiter florida so we'll be on a beach getting a tan unlike tonight where we have like 10 blankets and it's 20 something degrees um but yeah we're just going to take our time actually there's i have a little bit of sort of free time in december so we're going to slowly make our way down the coast and head out head through savannah and you know whatnot yeah put our shorts on at some point yeah that's that's part of the uh, that's when the interviews when i start like swearing and getting pissed off at you because i'm freezing my ass off up here but yeah <laughs> i'll send text no nah, don't that's all right <laughs> <laughs> but if folks yeah, if you're following along obviously make sure to follow along with heidi at 48 beer project on instagram uh, 48 beerproject.com i think we'll get you there also and uh yeah so being home was it was it weird kind of like you probably just figured out like how to live out of a bus and then the kind of like now be home and like in somewhat normal surroundings i mean you're kind of a nomad anyway but i think for this chapter maine's kind of like home so is it was it weird being back what was weird is that it wasn't weird like i i I borrowed my mom's car i drove around it felt like i had been driving around those streets the day before it was really strange yeah it's been like three months and uh it felt like i was there yesterday so uh, no, it really wasn't, and I'm so used to like crashing on couches and you know parking parking lots, but sleeping you know on a cot in someone's living room was pretty, uh, you know, Normal. standard at this point. So yeah, yeah, home is kind of pretty much where I'm at these days. So awesome, yeah. awesome. Now is your yeah. is your daughter or is she is uh, does she have the family art bug too? Is she gonna be or is she just more there for support? Oh, hell yeah. She's the more crafty. Like she's a doer. She's a maker of things, uh, pretty much since the get go. So all right. I'm probably gonna have slime and sticky things all over the bus. Um, there will definitely be some powdered uh, and craft. Talking about craft materials, powdered things on the floor, and uh, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I think yeah. that that part of, of everything will be pretty fun. Yeah, this, the kids love the slime, man. It's it's fucking bizarre. People are really into I know. the. I think they made that when we were kids, but it wasn't. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like it just everything just seems like cooler. Like it was just everything was just like one color, and now it's just like a whole new level of stuff. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, you got like brilliant green. What yeah, do? yeah. They watch my kids watch like videos of people making slime. Like they don't even do. It's just like a whole. I don't know. It's a whole weird. Like it's just a weird place. He's not judging you. <laughs> no, I'm like, I just don't, like, I don't, like, I mean, I had, had eight, everything I had was 8-bit and, like, monochrome green. So, like, it's not just, it wasn't that cool when I, I was a kid. So, yeah, it's not even. Oh, talk about computers. When they had magenta and white and, like, or no, fuchsia and white and some, like, seafoam green. 
it was amazing. Yep. <laughs> that was all you got. It's like Game Boy Color with like six colors. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I find myself, I do this where I like make myself sound really fucking old every time I do these. And so I got to stop doing that. I just got to like, I got to act like I'm, I'm just going to do a couple of these like I'm like like a young guy. I just did turn 40. So. Wait. I was just going to say, you just had your 40th birthday. You're a baby. All right. You're That's not what... even halfway through life yet. Yeah. Or maybe I am. Who cares? Just live it to the fullest. Well, Age is a number. I like the Blah, blah. <laughs> do I really want to live to like 100 though? Like, do you really want to live to 100? I don't know. If it's a good life, yeah. Right, but like if I if I have a good life and it's like seventy, I'll, I'll take that over like a, eh. like I'll take the max. I mean, if, I mean, if it's a good, if you're like in great health and you're like spry. Yeah. Right. All if right. You're, yeah. You know, right. Mentally. Yeah, man. As long as I'm there, like if I'm a puddle of drool, like just pull the plug. Like that's yeah. This is like me signing off on that. But like if I can function, I'll live it up. We'll go ninety. We'll see. Yeah, ninety is a good, it's a good number. All right, it's getting a little morbid. All right, so what do you, what do we got? What else is coming? What else is coming up? What do you got? What's what's in store? I always feel like you've got something, you know, up, up your sleeve. What's uh, what, what's what's next for us in the forty eight beer project? Yeah, honestly, I'm like, I've been making these promises since the beginning, but um, I'm working on trying to put together some form of of YouTube channel. And now that I have my co pilot to help me with editing and filming then uh definitely want to add in more content so that's kind of my big oh your your daughter's a hired hand now she's like no you yeah, yeah she's below you yeah, in age her, right yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah you should just get yeah some just a lot of b-roll and stock footage Room and, and board. yeah right yeah honestly like the time I, i'm not good at video editing it 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 pisses me off every time i try it's i don't want to sit in front of a computer uh but i need to be i need to be doing more of that so all right yeah. All right. Well, that's our hope and yeah. dream. That's our hope. Let's we'll, we'll keep you accountable. I'll just every two weeks, just ask how the video is going. Please, please do. <laughs> shaming people. up on everything. Yeah, so. shaming people seems to work really well in society, making them feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just yeah, keep, we'll keep that going. We should do it more often. Yeah. Right. Just put everybody down. It'd be great. So yeah. Yeah. What are you doing, Buster? Oh. Anyway. Oh, wow. Don't you see? Me. There you I go. Know. I'm not editing that out. That makes me sound like I'm ten. That was great. <laughs> Buster! Oh, Holy God. shit! The I've first, never yeah. Said that before. I don't know. Yeah. Never said that. Your oh, first, yeah. God. The first video definitely needed to be in black and white. It's like, hello, everyone. This oh, is a camera. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Good. All right. Yeah, well, anyway. I will. Uh, I will let you guys go. Uh, stay warm. Um, we're always here if you need anything. You know, keep us updated on what your you know, anything that comes up before we talk next week. We'll update everybody. And uh, yeah, just uh, just thinking of you and wish you guys the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for grouping me up with Miguel. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. Awesome. All right. Have a good night. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. All safe travels. Be safe. Talk Peace to you soon. Out. Thanks, Heidi. Bye. Bye. There we have it, folks. Part three. Where's Heidi? Like I said, if you see her, if you're out there on the road, you know, follow along, see where she's going to be. If she's coming to your town, do us a favor. Go say hello. Say what's up. Say you heard her on the, on the podcast. You know, buy her a beer chocolate milk for a daughter or something but just yeah just just support her let her know what a you know cool thing it is and hopefully you're getting uh, introduced to some new breweries in the process too so it's kind of a interesting experience i think it's been a lot of fun to, to follow along it's impressive you know a lot of these she's doing a label in a week you know talking about tight timelines and then the the creativity and flexibility to be able to do that on the 
on the bus, on the road, you know, wherever she may be, is uh, is something that we're we're trying to celebrate here. So excited to share that with you. But let's get back into it. Episode eighty nine. I mean, it's all episode eighty nine, obviously, right? But uh, our feature artist Miguel Rivas, beer trekker, the beer trekker, right here on the sixteen ounce canvas. Here's part two. Salute. For all the for the um, the camera kind of geeks at home, and I say geek in a positive way, what are you what are you what are you shooting with? What kind of cameras do you have? Um, I since I when I first my when I bought my first DSLR was a Nikon. Um, I went I went to Costco, bought a bought a like a combo. It was a regular DSLR, very basic. I think it was a D5100, and it came with two lenses. And that's what I was shooting for at the beginning. Uh, I was shooting with that, nothing fancy. It was just getting getting around, you know, using uh, DSLR and seeing the difference when shooting with a, a regular point-and-shoot and then a DSLR, and the, you know, the difference is super obvious. And just learning trial and error, just trying a lot of things and getting used to the equipment. And it wasn't until like two years ago that the the, the LCD screen kind of broke or got shattered. So I couldn't see the pictures on it anymore. And that was like my, my cue. All right, now I need to step it up a little bit now that I've been doing this for a while. Now I'm getting paid for doing all of this, so it will be more like an investment. So I jumped to a full-frame uh, camera, still Nikon. So now I shoot with a D750. Still nothing fancy. It's just regular full-frame DSLR. But I, I could see the jump from shooting with the 5100 to this one. It was like exponential, the quality of the pictures, just because it's full-frame. And then I just invested in in two good lenses. So I shoot with a 50 millimeters, uh, 1.4, and then I have a 2470, which is my workhorse. That's my I do everything with that lens. So I just have those two, and a flashlight, uh, and a flash. So I don't have any fancy equipment. It's just. I, I was told once by a photographer that it doesn't matter the equipment. You need the eye, and you have to have a little bit of knowledge about composition, how to frame things. The rest, it doesn't matter. You can give me a phone, and I will take you the same picture. And it's true. I have seen that it's true. You don't need like fancy equipment to do that. Um, so for people who are starting in it and they want to go and buy like the latest camera, I mean, if you have the money to do it, go ahead. But just buying like a like what I did, just went to Costco and got like a combo kit, two lenses, and that I shot with that for like a good solid three years. And you know, you just need to practice, try to get uh, find a style that you know that defines a little bit what you're trying to do. And along the way, you're still going to learn a lot of things, you know, by just repetition and by seeing other people's work. I think that's also super important to do, like also see what other people are doing. It's not like you're, you're going like to copy what they're doing, but you're going to get a lot of inspiration and 
learn different ways of seeing things because when you're shooting on your own, you kind of can get in a little bit of a rut, you know, like you're always shooting the same thing. But when you start seeing other people's work, you can also see like, oh, I could, you know, maybe if I try doing this and the the results are always going to be different, you know. So I think that's also as important as practicing is also seeing what other other photographers, other artists are doing as well, just to get like a little bit of inspiration out of that. Yeah. Now, do you think if someone getting started gets this overly fancy camera that it it do, it'll hide some of the you know they might not fully grasp the the art as well because it maybe will kind of uh, forgive some some beginning mistakes that could make a stronger foundation as a photographer. Well, if you don't have any idea or any foundation about photography, if you buy the most fancy and expensive camera, it's not going to do any good. I mean, the pictures are just going to come out crappy. It doesn't matter yeah. what you're shooting it with uh, because you have no idea how to, how, to, how to work with the camera. Yeah. So that's why I say that you have to start at some at somewhere but yeah if you just want to go and reach for the stars from the beginning that's going to be kind of hard because the, the more complicated and fancy the camera is it's it's you know it's going to be harder for you to kind of get around all the settings like even mine i've been shooting it for two years now and i still don't know all of the settings probably not even a third because wow. i just do the things that i know what to do and I'm sure that if I had some time and start messing around with some of the settings, I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot of other things that I had no idea. But that that all comes with practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I always, I always find I, it. I used to do stuff in, with music a lot and with bands, and you'd see these bands that never played before, but they always have, like, the best guitar ever. And it was it's like, that's not going to make you a better guitar player you yeah. know it's like you know you want to you want to be you want a guitar that has a little wear and tear and it has the the miles of you're learning the craft along with it so yeah now when how long have you gone like when did you transition from analog to digital were you all or was that was that part of the process or was it were you always just a digital um let's see well at the beginning like yeah. 20 years ago there was uh pretty much no digital so i was yeah. just shooting with with film uh i think i bought my first point and shoot camera like digital yeah in 2005 i got a, like a canon g7 yeah. i think it was yeah it's coming a long way yeah. I, I was shooting a lot with that and and then like i said i bought the, my first dslr like in 2011 i want to say uh, yeah. and and that was like there was no return for me after that like after shooting a few photos with that I was like alright this is it and, and then going from a regular DSLR to a full frame that was also like a game changer for me yeah it, the progression is wonderful because I think it, you're you're kind of like leveling up and it's yeah getting better as it goes now, how many photos on a given shoot are you taking? 
I know it's kind of a weird, uh, arbitrary question, but I'm just curious. I like numbers. It depends. Uh, it depends. Um, with with experience, you learn that you know you kind of have an idea when you're going in. At least for me, when I'm going in for a photo shoot, kind of have an idea of what I want to shoot. So you know, uh, I will say between 200, 300 pictures on a photo shoot. Um, that will be like average. Now, how many did you Sometimes take in Europe? Less. How many did you take in Europe? Huh. Europe? Well, that was six weeks. Yeah. And I took like 6,500. All right. Yeah. yeah. That was, I'm still, I haven't even finished doing the say, editing yeah. of those. I was, I, I organized them because I'm a little OCD with that. I organize all the pictures and folders and all that. And then from there, going over all of them now and start discarding the ones that are not working well. And, and then if I have to do any post-editing work. Right. So I still haven't finished with, with those uh, pictures from Europe. Almost done, but not there yet. Also, after arriving there, uh, I was in Norway. And I my my camera fell out of my backpack, so that was also a little bit of annoying because it was just the beginning of the trip. It was like the second brewery I had visited in Norway, and the camera fell off, and I saw it just coming out of my backpack. I was running from my brewery, running to the train station, like literally running because I was going to miss the train, and I saw it like in slow motion. The camera just my zipper open, and the camera you saw it coming no. out fell on the floor yeah exactly so i grabbed it i turned it on it was turning on fine so i was like, right hell with it i put it back in the backpack ran to the train station and while i was in the train i took it out again and i noticed that it was not focusing anymore so that was a pain because i figured all right so the trip is just starting i have all these places to go i also have some places that i'm actually working at so this is going to be fun and just tinkering with the camera a little bit and taking pictures. So I had to sometimes just do like spray and pray. That's what they call it. You just like, you know, start shooting and hoping that one of those shots is going to come out nice because it was not focusing. I had to manually focus and, but it worked out in the end. So that also taught me a little bit about just not relying completely on the autofocus and just focusing and trying to find like the perfect or the, the better light to, to make the shots be focused. So it was yeah. a, a learning experience. Yeah. Cause some people would have said, oh, my trip is ruined. I mean, obviously you're still in Europe, which is beautiful, but yeah, I think that if you hadn't had those other experiences, you might not have been able to be as handy or be as calm. You're probably stressing out, but I know that for me and I don't have, I wouldn't consider myself anywhere on the photography level, but one of the greatest ex summer experiences of my life, I used to work at a camp and they needed somebody to quote unquote teach photography, which basically was just like herd these kids around. But they gave us, we had like over a dozen Pentex and they would uh, develop all the film for us and it was shot in black and white. So like for, I have a summer, um, I don't know, let's do the math. I'll be sort of like 20 years ago, give us to say. And then, you know, 30, 40 rolls of film, and, they were, and it was just black and white, and it was one of the best summers ever. It was just, you know, we just shot all day. 
and they would develop it for us, and it, oh, it was just wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I wanted to do this uh, this summer because we were looking at uh, summer camps for for my daughters, and some of the ones I saw um, they had. I I was talking to the person who was there and like, giving like the the tours of the of the camps. Uh, I asked him, so do you guys need like volunteers, this and that? And he said, yeah, sometimes we we need volunteers. What would you like to volunteer for? I said, well, I mean, I don't know what kind of classes, but I was looking at your brochure and I saw that there's photography. So I was more asking about to have a photographer on staff to like take pictures of the kids during the, during the, the camp. But I could also, you know, teach a little bit. I'm not a professional photographer, but I can teach a little bit about photography. So the guy was like, oh, well, that's, that's not a bad idea. It, it didn't happen this summer, obviously, but like I think I, I planted that seed on the guy's mind because I went into their, to their website and I checked the pictures and they were just awful. That's, that's, uh, it's like a, a pet peeve of mine now that if I'm you know, talking to a company or something and I, the first thing I do is I go and see either their Instagram or or Facebook or website and check their pictures. And I'm like, Oh no, you definitely need some, some help in that department. Because it's, some, yeah, it's terrible. I think it's, it's important if you that's it's, it's your company, your brand. And if you're trying to advertise it or show it and you have some crappy pictures, it's, it's doing you a disservice. I know some people don't see it that way. And they're like, yeah, but you know, we don't, you don't have the budget to do this and that. Like you don't need a big budget to get some nice pictures, but it the 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 final result is it's outstanding. Outstanding, you know, if you can show in a good light your product or what you're trying to sell, and because pictures are so visual that if you see something crappy, that's that's what's gonna stick in your head. Like that. Even like a plate of food, you, you take a picture of a plate and it's, it's a bad picture that doesn't look appetizing to you. But if you take a picture, even if it's something simple, but you take a nice picture, people are going to be like, hmm, that looks like something I want to eat. And it's the same with any product that you do. So that's also part of the, my job when I'm trying to talk to, to breweries because it's what I'm doing right now is explaining to them the value that it has to have some good content. It's not just about all oh, going to take pictures of, of your beers and your stuff. It's like creating some good content and you can put out there. So when people see it, they're going to feel some sort of either connection or interest. You know, it's just kind of like, creating some interest on people and it's kind of hard because when people first they talk about well but we don't have a budget to do this and that and the example that i always put to people is allagash allagash is one of my favorite breweries in the world and because of what we spoke before about the complete package it's 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 a beautiful place but if you see allagash feed it's like going to a magazine. Like yep. all their pictures are amazing. And yes, I understand that not everybody has the same budget that they have. I mean, they've been around for like 22 years now. So yes, I understand that part. But 
just the little things, you know, it's just little things that create the difference. They have a on-staff photographer. His name is Matt and he's a friend, but he, he does. He's a legend. He's when, a legend. Yeah. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When you see his pictures, it's not only about beers. Sometimes there are pictures on their, on the feed that there's no beer in sight because what Alagas tries to do is that they want to incorporate the whole state of Maine in mm. their in their culture because they are a product of Maine. I mean, they're located in Portland, but they want to incorporate the whole state of Maine, which is they're a product of that. And you know, they incorporate the people, the fishermen that they work with, that they do dinners with to pair those oysters that the guys get from the bay and pair with their beers or or the fishing the lobster fishing boats it's or the or the farmers who are you know uh, cultivating the the grains that they use and the maltsters who turn it then into malts that they use for their beer so they try to incorporate everybody that's related to them in some way and i think that's just a beautiful thing because it's it it, it gives a bigger picture not just of the brewery but the 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 whole you know, as a whole. So that's, I always use them as an example of what content should be for your brewery. Yeah. And, and again, I, I understand that not everybody has that kind of budget to do that, but you can do still, you can still do little things with very little. You just have to get creative yeah. and use your resources wisely, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, we love Allagash. Like I said, we've been going to Maine. We go at least once a year now for the last uh, seven years. And yeah, Allagash, even when first visiting then, you can see the the continued evolution. And the, the photography, the way the brewery's made with all the repurposed materials, the fact they have a house beer that they make for their employees, the tours they give, like the, the feeling they have when you're there. It's just, and then even across the street, which if folks don't know, is kind of like a, an incubator or like a, you know, starter for great breweries across the street, you know, in one industrial way where, you know, Bissell started, Maine Beer Company started, Allagash started, and they just help each other. Like it's, I don't know, Maine's a special place for me too. And I, I've, it's really, it really has resonated for me pretty, pretty heavily. And Allagash is a big, big part of that. I know that the more beers get distributed, they have this big beer vibe. But I look when I go to when I go to a liquor store or go to a bar and they have Allagash on tap or available. It just it feels like a little piece of me is with me, and it's just Maine is yeah Maine is special. I, I I love it, so I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I agree with that. Excellent, excellent. All right, so what else do we have for you? So obviously, uh, I mean, I know you're not an IPA guy. Um, so what are you what are you drinking these days? I mean, you must have had some incredible beers over over in Europe. But what's kind of uh, what's the what's your your go to? Uh, for the last probably year and a half or so, two years, I've been um, on a lager. Yeah, like a lager quest, just drinking all the lagers that I can. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm, I've never been a big fan of IPAs, so that's not a, a style that does it for me. Um, Belgian beers have always been like my, what got me really interested in beers. Uh, but then, you know, 
trying things, your palate starts to open up more. But go to, I would say, any Pilsner. You give me any Pilsner, any lager, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. And then Saison's Farmhouse is also my my go-to kind of beers. Now, when I was in, in, in Europe again, I kind of revisited all those like Belgian beers and it was just wonderful. You know, there, was, there were a lot of beers that I hadn't had in a while, like the, the Trappist. Like I was there five years ago. I went and visited them. And usually across the street from all the monasteries, there's like a little bar or a place where you can try the beers, which most of them I had already tried in here in New York. But on this trip, because of, you know, my network now, I was invited. So I was able to go and visit three of the Trappist Abbeys. So I went to Orval, I went to Chimay, and I went to La Trappe in the Netherlands. And just trying the beers there, super fresh. So I was like, wow. <laughs> kind of like, kind of forgotten a little bit how, how it was because, you know, a lot of the beers you try here, you don't know how long they've been on the shelf, but trying them fresh on draft, especially on Chimay when I went there, after the visit, they invited me to go and have lunch. They have this little place, like, I don't know, half a kilometer from, from the monastery. And they serve all the beers fresh there on draft. And that was just like, wow, this, I mean, it doesn't get any fresher than this. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in, I lived in the Netherlands for, uh, I was there like six to eight weeks on three different occasions between 2008 and 2009. And, I had gone over there, and I, I, that was the first time I ever had Delirium Tremens, and you know, even Palm, which wasn't really accessible here in the States, which is a nice amber, Le Chouf, uh, Chimay, it was, those were just like staples over there, and so when I came back, and it was, you know, that revolution hadn't really taken off here yet, it was just, I remember even just saying, folks, get this Palm beer, Get you gotta try this, it's just a great beer, and oh, it's just, every, it, you're right, it just it tastes a little bit better. It, it might be mental, but it's, I think all the senses are important, and that's why your work is so important, too, because capturing a moment, branding, you know, photography is really powerful, and you can see when it's done poorly, it really impacts that that experience. I know my pet peeve is when people take beer photos and it's blurry. I'm like, the beer's not moving. You really, that's just lazy. You couldn't even go back and take the photo again. You know, it's like the, it's a stationary, it's a stationary object. I could see if it was a sprinter or even a rock concert. It's really hard to capture that moment again. But when you're taking a picture of your beer, or your can, and it's blurry, that just, that just screams laziness to me. And it, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. It's, I'm always like, what, even in these beer groups, when people are just trying to show what they're drinking, take another 10 seconds, put it down. And your, your, your phone now probably is a better camera than, you know, what you were probably originally shooting with, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, I mean, don't, just don't be lazy, folks. Yeah, I try not to get too much into that because then I don't want to, you know. I will be the, yeah, I will, yeah, yeah, I will be the dick and you'll be the, the kind-hearted uh, person here. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, I, I couldn't get you to say a mean word about anybody, at least not on the record, so. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy about that. Um, and then, no, I, I, I find that, that, you know, it's not my place to, to be talking. Like when I see people talking or trashing and beers, like anything else in life, it's, it's a personal thing. You know, everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody has, everybody has different tastes, different opinions. 
So, but in the case of beer, because that's the industry we are in right now, when I hear people saying, oh, that beer is a piece of shit or that brewery is a piece of shit, I don't, you know, I don't find any joy in saying stuff like that because at the end of the day, that beer wasn't good for me. Just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that the beer is not good. It's just, I, I didn't like it. And that's the way that I like to, to frame it when I'm talking about a beer. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and I tell it to brewers when they ask me, I said, Hey, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like that style or I don't like that beer. That doesn't mean it's not a good beer. It's just, I already know that I don't like it. I agree. And I just try to keep it simple like that. Yeah. Cause like you said before, you don't like IPAs. So if someone kept, gave you an IPA, you're, you're not going to like that. You already know you're not going to like that. So why, why do that? It's like, I, I read something recently where, someone gave a really negative review about a Pilsner and then the, the brewery, they looked at it and they were like, you know, cause I, I do think at the end of the day, people want feedback. They don't want to be in an echo chamber of everybody patting themselves on the back. If you can be an adult and have constructive feedback, I think that's great. But it was, they looked at this person's profile and the person, they don't know them, but it was very obvious. They don't like Pilsners. So if you don't like that type of beer, you're already starting off in a bad, a bad negative place. And so I, I think that, you know, I, if I don't like something or, you know, if I, you know, I just don't review, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I try not to be negative. I know I can be a little sarcastic at times and cynical, but I don't know. I just realized that people work really hard on that and that might not, just might not be for me. It doesn't mean, you know, I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like mushrooms. It doesn't mean my wife doesn't love mushrooms, you know, like that's, you know, that's, I wouldn't be a mushroom hater. I'm just, nah, if I have a choice, I'm just not going to put mushrooms on my food. You know, I think people just need right. to look at it as on, on a, on a simpler level. And I think that, uh, you've kind of found that, that level of Zen. So I, I applaud you there. Yeah, and also I think that what also gave me a little bit of insight was because I have worked at breweries. I worked at a couple of breweries a few years back here in New York. I see the, the work that it goes into making a beer. It's not, you know, um, it's not an easy, yeah, it's an labor easy job that like people yeah. think that, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to put people's hard work in the trash just because I just want to be a brat, you know? And I think a lot of people don't know. A lot of people have misconception. And I know this because I have spoken to people that breweries are, or brewers, that's all they do all day. Just, you know, have fun and drink beer. And that's not the case, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work, long hours uh, to get you that pint of beer. There's a lot of work that goes behind that. And I think that people should, should know what, how that goes before they, you know, make those kind of, of judgments. Yeah, I think, and that's a key part of what you're doing when you're in there. I mean, if people realize the amount of like QC and cleaning and sterilization and all the not cool, sexy stuff that goes on when making a beer, it really, I mean, it really people have to be really introspective and look if there's something that they love that much that they'd be willing to do it for 12, you know, sometimes 16 hours a day where most of it is not the sexiest part of it. You just see people pouring in, oh, here we're pouring in this in, let's smile for a photo, but you know, there's about another. 15 hours, you know, of sweat and, you know, and grossness going on that's, you know, that's not really getting, uh, that people don't realize about. So, yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, I tried to homebrew a couple of times, Miguel. It was, it was terrible. I was awful. And it was just 
this small five gallon little thing in my kitchen. And I can't only imagine from all the hardships and spills and messes I made at home, you know, on a massive commercial scale, that would just, you know, be, be painful. Yeah. That's one thing I haven't ventured yet to do like homebrew. Yeah. Uh, You're not missing much. Knowing me. No, I mean, I would like to do it one day, but it's just that knowing me, and just the way that I am, if I start doing that, then I'm going to get a little obsessed with it and start, you know, getting into it. And that's just one, one, one yeah. problem that I don't need right now. You know, that's yeah. another, so I rather, I leave that to the professionals. I have brewed some beers with, with friends. And just when I, the few times I've done it like four times, uh, do it with friends and I just come up with a recipe. And then, yeah, just help when, when we're doing the brew, help with whatever part of the, the process is going on, but leave it to them to get all the, the technical stuff and all that. We just uh, brewed one here like a month ago. I just got an email right now. I just saw it that it's coming out. It's being packaged uh, in two weeks. So we did a, a lager with KCBC and Big Alice, which is another local brewery here in LIC. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we did a smoke lager. I have this theme that I want to put cucumber in all the beers that I brew. So probably three out of the four that I have brewed have been with cucumbers. So now I'm getting this kind of, I don't know, people now, the brewers, when I tell them to do a collaboration and I say, let's do cucumber, are we going to add cucumbers? They're like, Dude, you're gonna become like the cucumber guy. Yeah, uh, right. Like, well, I'm, I, I just wanna. I'm just consistent. I like being consistent. So for this one, for the smoke lager, when I said, "Are we gonna add cucumbers?" They said, "Absolutely not." So, <laughs> well, good. But it's still gonna be a, a smoke lager, which I'm happy with. Yeah, I'll be. I'm in the city quite regularly, so I'll uh, I'll be on the lookout for that definitely. Now, you mentioned more than once that you're kind of a little OCD, or you know, with your organization. And this is one of our newer questions, but how do you name your files? This is, a, I don't know, this is kind of a geeky question, but I really like it. Do you have a certain beer trekker naming convention that you so you can find things easily? Or how do you organize all of your f- files and photos? Well, I create a lot of folders. So I have everything by location, by brewery. It's, it's kind of sickening, the, the level of, maniac that i have going on but it, it just works for me so i have them by i don't know breweries visited and then by continent and then you know in the u.s then by states and then in each state and then i have Ooh. them by by the name of the breweries so then i can find them easily and then the actual photos i don't i don't i don't label those I okay know exactly what i need the way i do it is if i have for example if i have I just want pictures of glassware. Then I have a folder called glassware and I have them all there, but then I organize them by brewery. So I know that when I go to that folder, I need some glassware from specific brewery. It's going to be in that folder. Wow. Uh, then by events, they are outdoors or they're indoors. It's, it's, it's a little crazy. Outdoor indoors, outdoor indoors break is a, is a segmentation of your photos. Of events, if they're festivals, <laughs> there's indoors like GABF, that's yeah. an indoor event, and then another one if they're outdoors like I don't know, uh, Belgium comes to Cooperstown in Omega, that's an outdoor event. 
Okay. That will be under the outdoors. So when you at the top tier, is it is it where is the starting point? Is it year? Is it continent? How does it? How do you do that? Mm, well, I also have them by year because there are some breweries that I've been several years, so it will be just a lot to have them just there in the same folder. So, for example, Jester King, I've been going there since 2014, so I have them by year. Okay, I like to see that. I'm curious, yeah. Because yeah, from a from a relational database standpoint, you're like a king. That's so great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 sure nerd that I nerd up. I nerd up. Things I could improve. <laughs> Mr. Humble. Yeah. No, because sometimes I find myself. No, because there's sometimes I find myself like looking for something, and it's like, oh shit, where is where is this? So I have to go through a bunch of folders before I find it. So I I'm always looking to find ways to how make it easier especially because that's also part of the, the services they offer to to the breweries like creating content for them but it's also create like a database of images and it's also practice for me like how would i organize all these folders for a brewery so when they have to look for a picture of let's say i need a beer a blonde beer in a tulip glass how can i go and find that so ways to organize it that it's easier for people to find yeah yeah like i said I, yeah i'm i love your photography but i'm kind of i'm super curious now about your uh your organization skill so yeah um uh, and this is and this is my last question it's more self-serving for me and as someone who's a world traveler i'm excited to, to hear your answers kind of what what kind of music you listen to miguel or you know when you're creating do you, what, you know or editing on your projects do you listen to music or do you need you know peace and quiet i mean i know we both have children so that's kind of a funny thing to say nowadays but what kind of uh what kind of music you listen to you know what's on the playlist i would love to be turned on some some new artists um, well i'm relying a lot on spotify i was not a big uh, spotify user in the past so probably in the in the last year year and a half or so i've been more um been using Spotify, just put an artist and just let it ride. And because it kind of, uh, kind of matches what you're listening to similar stuff. And yeah, it's been pretty good. But for me, mostly I have like my own archive also of music. And that comes because when I was working at this label that I told you about, Putumayo, that opened my my eyes and my ears to so many music that I had no idea because it's a world it's a world music label, and I got to meet a lot of these artists that I had no idea, especially so I love music from Africa. That's a thing that I I, I still to this day cannot explain it, but there were some uh, shows that I went to see, and there's a few specific artists that this happened to me this was in what 2006 so there was an album that we or that the label released that year was called um it was something about africa and they were doing like a tour so it was musicians from different parts of africa some from northern africa like mali uh, senegal and then some musicians from south africa and then in between so they did this little tour and they went around the U.S. and they did a show here in New York at B.B. King's, I remember. 
and I went to that show just because you know I, I had access because of the of the label. And I was taking pictures, and I remember at some point I had to put the camera down because I just started crying, and I couldn't understand a lot of the words they were saying because they were speaking in like you know some some it was just like dialects from from their town and the parts that they were they're singing in French so a lot of the northern parts of Africa they speak French uh, some of that I could understand but the ones that I couldn't it was just the music and I just found myself like sobbing and it was just like tears rolling down of my eyes I had to put the camera down and I just had to sit down and it was so moving that it was just it was a very powerful experience and I remember years later, because I got to meet one, one of those artists, the guy from Mali, his name is Habib Poate. And I went to see him. He came later again, just him, uh, to do a show in Prospect Park. Every year here in the summer, they do a lot of like free concerts in Central Park, Prospect Park. I went to see him in Prospect Park, and I went with some friends. And there was this girl from France who was here. And she was also a photographer. So I said, oh, you're going to have a lot of fun today because these guys are like super colorful and very animated. Like they dance a lot. So it's a lot of fun to take pictures. And so I was in between the crowd, just, you know, getting shots. And at some point I saw her taking pictures and she had the same reaction that I had had some years before. She sat down, she put the camera down and she was just crying. So I took some shots of her, and when we got back to my house, I showed her the pictures, and she was like, wow. Like, she had, like, no words. That first, that I caught that moment happening, and then I told her, I took those pictures. Not, I didn't want to be a dick or anything. It's just because I had the same exact rea- reaction you're having, and I just wanted to ask you what was going through your head, because you're French. So you understood a lot of, of the lyrics. And she said, yeah, I understood a lot of the lyrics, but when they were singing in, in their dialect, it was just the music. And it was exactly the same reaction. So I don't know. Ever since that, that, that was like 12 years ago, um, I have always had or felt this sort of connection with, with music from, from that area. So when I ever need to like calm down and just, kind of disconnect a little bit that's the, that's the kind of music I, I listen to so long story short no I mean that, yeah, this, this question of all of them is the most self-serving for me because I could turn on the new music all the time and it's always it's always playing in the house and new artists and new experiences and my wife and I were early years we'd go to a lot of music festivals and there'd just be times where you know there's nothing more amazing when you have really no pretense for an artist and you go see them and you're just you're blown away you know i remember the first time i saw michael franti and spearhead it was like that and it was a beautiful sunday afternoon the sun had just come up and was shining and i was i was dancing and just you know just listening to the words and i, I was just broke down in tears and it was it was a magical experience and i just you know i i just i just felt it to my my core and so yeah i i, I I completely uh, I understand that feeling. You, you're just, you're just overtaken by it, and it's it's another level. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, that's one of the things I I liked a lot about music is that it's you don't need words. You know, it's uh, just 
the melody alone, that's, that's the language. And that was the thing that I found so fascinating when I was at Putumayo is that, again, because we work with so many musicians from around the world that some people you have never heard of. And one, because they're in countries that you usually, it's not like your go-to and they're not in the top 40 charts or anything like that. But then seeing them live in concert, it was just like the music. That's all that mattered, you know, the, just listening to the music. And you could see how that, for at least that brief moment, everybody was like connected the same way you were, just by listening to the music. And I thought that that was a very powerful. Powerful, yeah, exactly. That's why, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my background, I used to work at a radio, I did radio at university, and I did it for a while after that for about a decade. And with things, and I would just in my mail, I'd get, you know, artists and started growing and growing. And my favorite, you know, mail was receiving artists that, you know, you could tell they like printed on their computer and handwritten label. And I would, you know, no pretense of what, what, what experience he was going to be and to put it in and just, you know, that would be my album for like, you know, months. I would just, you know, wear it down. And it was, yeah, just, a, I love, I mean, I love music. It's probably one, I mean, I wish I could play, but I also kind of know my, I have a guitar, but that's all I'll say. I don't really play, but I just love music, and so it's just to be turned on by new new artists and to meet new people, and so it's it's nice to yeah. I'll be uh, listening to some African music uh, in your name in uh, in coming days, so I look forward to that experience. Oh, I'll be more than happy to send you like a list of of artists on on an email. Yeah, and it's funny yes. you mentioned yes, the radio yes, part yes. because <laughs> when I was in college, I also did uh, a little bit of radio. That's one of my I'm not going to say regret, but that's one of the kind of the things I I wish I would have pursued a little harder was uh, radio. That's something that always was like you know, very, very present for me, like growing up. And then I got to do a little bit in, in college. We had a, a little show that was all like Spanish rock music. Yeah. That's where I grew up in Venezuela. And then, you know, I started doing a little bit of voiceovers when I lived in Miami. When I moved to New York, I tried to pursue it a little bit, but just got, I don't know, I got a little discouraged and never did it again. But that's something that is always on the back of my mind. Well, if you ever if you ever need help getting set up on that side, it's pretty, I mean, you probably got most of the equipment there. You know, if you ever wanted to get back into it we're more than happy to to help yeah i try i try to make a career of it and interviewed at some commercial places and i just didn't really i didn't really like it any to that level it was just running a computer program and what you're saying is you had a, a show that you were passionate about and you cared about and that's what i had and i you know i had four hours every week and i'd have local and regional artists who were touring come in i'd give them an hour they either play a live set on the air or co-host and you know, we had a local community of venues we would always hang out at afterwards. And I don't know, when I went to a commercial station, it was like, okay, read this in 25 seconds or the, and then the computer's going to shut off your mic and this program's going to run. And I like the radio of the 60s and 70s where if, if, you know, if Miguel said, you know, check out this band, then that was, that was all you needed. And then, you know, that was, that was, it wasn't, okay, that same song is being played on 50 stations across the country at the same time because this computer right. program planned it. So that was yeah. that's kind of how we ended up here. That's why I like having this creativity. 
Cool, man. Well, that's a wrap, my friend. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. I feel that uh, I look forward to our, our next uh, meeting in 3D, but I just wanted to uh, you know thank you for all that you do for sharing some of your perspective on, you know, your work and life. And, um, I think that folks are, it's going to really resonate with people. Well, thank you very much, man. Again, thank you. I feel honored to being on your podcast and it was a pleasure just chatting with you. And like you said, yeah, hope we can share a beer. Sometime I, I, soon. I promise that I look forward to it. And so thank you again, Miguel. And, uh, yeah, best of luck with anything like I said you're part of the family now so anything you're doing we can help you know don't hesitate to reach out we're more than happy to feel, figure out how we can collaborate together it's going to be it's exciting so I, I thank you once again well thank you and I'll get you those uh, the pictures all right. at the end of the week all right your your sex right. your sexiest photos Miguel that's what we want yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll try <laughs> all right I'll talk to you soon all right, man. Man. thanks man bye bye thank you bye tonight and there we have it folks episode 89 is in the books you've been listening to miguel rivas the beer trekker sharing his perspective on beer life community giving advice just a well-traveled he's a world traveler i mean he's just He's a good man, and really just a, it was a great opportunity to, to speak with him. This music is wonderful. You know, it was, it's always fun to, to dive into the recommendations of the artists and try to customize it, you know, for them. You know, this track in particular really, you know, reminds me of, uh, you know, Paul Simon's you know, Graceland album, which is just one of the greatest albums of all time, you know, hands down. But the, the band that he put together for that, those musicians are amazing in you know i follow along with them i listen to their music sans you know the the graceland album and this really you know reminds me of uh you know of that record and the the tunes that we featured here really just put me in a good place and really just was a, a new opportunity for me and really you know thank miguel for that you know just even him here and talk about music you know we're usually that question is kind of our are kind of closing up our wrap up but to telling the story of how he was moved, you know, by the music, by the artist, uh, you know, from Molly, you know, who were able to, uh, you know, be able to, you know, find his work as well, you know, and share that here with you. It's just, we're just having, we're just having a great time and we're just, you know, getting the, the music turn on is, is just kind of the, you know, the, the bonus, you know, Habib Koti, um, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can see the. I'm not sure if it's the same concert that he's talking about, but there is, you know, the YouTube footage of one of his concerts from Prospect Park in Brooklyn. You know, we recommended, you know, Rage Against the Machine album, you know, and how that concert I saw back in '96 was so incredible. And I went on YouTube and I found the concert. I mean, I can find the first Fish concert. I mean, if I, it's a great area, but, you know, just people who are capturing these moments. It's just wonderful, and so I just want to, hopefully this is a moment that you're enjoying. Hopefully you're enjoying your time here at the 16-ounce canvas. We'd love to have you. You know, we love that you know, we're building a community. All the emails and messages we get, folks at different stages of their careers, you know, trying to get advice or just kind of learn. Even things like the naming conventions, you know, I love that stuff. It's just, a, you know, to geek out and, and look at that. It's, you know, it's nerdy, it's intimate, it's personal, it's, you know, helps with the organization. It's all these cool things that we're doing and we're doing it together. So, and we thank you because 
a lot of these people that we're being introduced to is through our community and people reaching out or just kind of, uh, you know, when we're out, oh, have, you served, have you seen this brewery? Have you checked this out? Have you spoken to so-and-so? Oh, let me introduce you. You know, it's just a, it's just a wonderful time to, to be alive and doing this project, and we thank you all. So far, you know, year number 40 has been wonderful, and so we thank you for that. Thank you for all your, all your notes and, you know, kind kind words. We're having a great time, and we're not going to stop anytime soon. So we're definitely, like I said, locked down for season nine. That'll put us over 100 episodes. And we'll uh, we'll see what keeps you know see what's happening there. We're approaching uh, you know year two through that. You know we'll probably be right before year two, and it's a uh, it's a holy shit moment. So who knows? But thank you, thank you, thank you, and yes, very much thank you. So this is a wrap, folks. See you guys next week. Remember, check out Miguel's work at the Beer Trekker on Instagram and thebeertrekker.com. He is the one and only. I am AJ. I was going to say something like Woody, like, I think, how does that phrase go? Often imitated, never replicated, I don't know, something like that. But we'll give, uh, we'll give, we'll give a bonus if you can figure out what the AJ stands for. So we'll do that. We'll play, we'll play Hangman one day. It's very popular. But until next week, folks, we thank you once again, and we thank you again and again and again. We can't thank you enough. Cheers.